Hi, everyone. Thank you for the um, welcome. How many of you are thinking about taking Alpha, but you haven't decided yet? Okay. Um, what I want to say is if you're deciding between coming here into the auditorium and doing the gospel in 10 words or doing Alpha and you can't decide, then I would just say as a default thinking, do Alpha, okay? Just go through Alpha first. It'll really introduce you to the heart of this church and to our philosophy of ministry. And it'll really make you solid in some of the foundational aspects of uh, the Christian life, which are so important and so crucial to everything we do. All right. So there, there were these three guys, and they were all believers. And they were talking about how they decide what they give. And the one man said, well, my wife and I get our paychecks, and we put it all in cash, and we go into the dining room, and we just throw the money up in the air, and what lands on the dining room table is ours, and what spills over onto the floor is God's. So, okay. Well, another guy said, well, what we do, my wife and I do something similar, but we use the steps, and uh, we throw all the money up in the air, and what lands on... Uh, the bottom step is God's, but what lands on the upper steps, we just keep ourselves. So the third guy told how he and his wife do it. They get all of their money, put it in cash. He said, we go outside, we throw it up in the air as high as we can. God grabs what he wants, and whatever comes back down is ours. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. This center crowd's pretty sharp today. All right, so the last couple of weeks, we've, we've talked about vision and mission at this church body and, and what God's calling us to, what, what we foresee as really the crucial thing that, that we're here for. And we made this simple statement about vision, that as a vision at Vineyard Church Northwest, we want to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. We went through that in some detail a couple of weeks ago, but to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. And we took that really from Jesus' words when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. He taught us how to pray. He said that we should pray, let your kingdom come. And we're praying to the Father, let your kingdom come. And then what that means is described in the next phrase, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, God's kingdom is God releasing his presence and his way and his will into the earth so that what is happening on earth is the same thing happening in heaven. By that we mean if it's not happening in heaven, then it shouldn't be happening here, okay? And if it is happening in heaven, then it should be happening here. So we're just gonna take Jesus at his word. How's that sound? We're just going to take him at his word and we're going to say, all right, that's what we're all about. That's what we're here for. And, and we believe that in the call comes the authority and the power to fulfill the call. So Jesus uh, said on, on one occasion after he was raised from the dead, he said, all right, now all authority has been given to me, so you all go. You take what I've taught you, you take everything you've seen in me, everything I've deposited in you, and now that the authority is here, I want you to go out into the world and to carry this gospel in, into the whole earth. And then later, he said to them that they were going to wait and the Holy Spirit was going to come on them. And when the Holy Spirit came on them, and, and by the way, that was in the context of them asking about the kingdom. 
They say, they, they ask Jesus, when's the kingdom coming? Are you going to establish the kingdom now? And they meant with finality when the kingdom was just fully established in the earth. And Jesus said, ah, you don't need to worry about that. He said, what I want you to worry about is this. You're going to receive kingdom power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive kingdom power. And when that happens, then you're going to go out and you are going to establish the kingdom on this earth. And so we're taking that seriously. That's our vision statement. And we're going to keep coming back to that over and over again. Now, our mission statement, and if you remember, a vision is a picture of the future that should, to some degree, excite our hearts. And it should be compelling enough that it leads us to say, I want that. I want that. I'll work for that. I'll sacrifice for that. I used the illustration in my message two weeks ago of World War I. And Woodrow Wilson, when he, when he asked Congress to make a declaration of war so that we would become involved in World War I, he said this. He said, we need to fight this war in order to make the world safe for democracy. That, that, that was a vision statement. And then the mission was the next thing they had to do for that to happen. And what they had to do for the, for, to move towards the vision of making the world safe for democracy was to defeat the central powers in Europe, which, which they did. Now, there was more. The world still isn't safe for democracy. They never fully completed the, the vision, but the, the mission was the next big thing you've got to do. And so our mission, we've stated this way, that as a mission, we want to raise up world-changing kingdom leaders. All right, world-changing kingdom leaders. Talked about this last week. You can go back and listen to that message to find out more about what we mean by that. But uh, just in brief right now, by that we don't mean, if you're under 30, we're gonna train you how to be, we're gonna show you how to be a world-changing kingdom leader. No, we mean people of all ages, young and old, that you all have leadership, you all have the ability to influence God is going to call each and every one of us at some point in time to step up and lead. Now, for some of us, that is our full-time calling. For others, it's something that just might happen for a while. There's a situation, you've got to lead in it. And so one of the things we want to do is help our whole church body be equipped in the, the methods of leadership. But we anticipate as well that there are going to be people that rise up that are gifted in leadership, that are going to catalyze things, and new ministries are going to start. Like There will always be ministries that start from the staff perspective, like Healing on the Streets, although Healing on the Streets is being led by staff and key volunteers. And as well, we have the the HOTS the HOTS, we have um, Sockham, School of Kingdom Ministry, have Alpha, other key ministries within the church. But a ministry like um, Drive Through Prayer, which uh, I had uh, Jim Freeberg up here a few weeks ago. Awesome, awesome ministry. We're going to see more things like that arise. And last week we had Ellen and Dan Fitch up here to talk about Woven 139. And I, I, I want to see their, their ministry prosper. I want to see us as a church body just fill our life into that. And I want to see many, many of you go to them and say, how can I support you? How can I help? You know, what can I do to be a part of this? 
But we want as well other ministries like that to rise up from right here, from, from right here in this room. And for us to fulfill our call, our vision to bring heaven to earth, we can't hire enough staff to do that, and we shouldn't, because the staff's role should be to really to support ministries and to encourage ministries that rise up just from the, the church body. And so we're going to see that happen. That's our mission. It's uh, people of all ages, men and women, uh, brown, black, yellow, white, whatever background you come from, we want all of you. And we, we want to see leaders rise up that will, and here's one of the thing, things about an, an anointed leader, someone whose full-time calling is leadership, or their, their main spiritual gift, let's put it that way, they don't, you could be a businessman working out in the community and have a full-time spiritual gift of leadership. What anointed leaders do is catalytic. They catalyze others around them. And, and so it's not like leadership is the only gift that's important or that that's the only one you care about or the only one you train people for. But leadership is central because a leader is going to take a dozen people and help them to exercise their spiritual gifts in the most effective way, their primary gifts. One has the gift of hospitality, another has a gift of encouragement, another a gift in management, another a gift in teaching, and a leader brings that all together around a purpose and catalyzes that so that that everyone is engaged and involved in pressing ahead. And so that's what we're looking for. Uh, that's, That's where we want to go as a church body and there's some of you here that are just, you know, God's putting stuff on your hearts that are going to, that will eventually, in the right time, turn into ministries. They're going to take the kingdom into everyday life out there and change people's lives. And others of you have vision for a business to start. And, 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 and we want to we see that happen, too. And I'm not sure there's a great difference between the two. If you have a committed kingdom leader who's starting a business out in the community, that's going to have a, a huge kingdom impact, just as a ministry will have a huge kingdom impact. And so we're working through right now some thoughts on uh, you know, how, how, to, how to make this an easy thing for people to step into, you know, to have like some values classes so that we have our values in alignment. So we're making sure that we believe the same things and we're, and and we're launching things that, that operate in the same value system. And then we'll we'll get into methodologies of leadership and, and and how to lead, how to find divine solutions to problems and that sort of thing. But that's all coming. Okay. Now all of that. And and I want to say too, that we will always have the ministries here in the church, like our children's ministry, where we are raising these kids up to be world-changing kingdom leaders. And do you know where that starts? That starts when you can walk and talk. Starts right about right there. As soon as you can start talking, then we are, we are training them how to operate in the power and life of the Holy Spirit. That's our goal with them. Same with the teens. We want the teenagers to learn how to walk and to live in the power and life of the Holy Spirit. That will always be going on and happening as well. So today uh, I had intended to start a new series. 
on our identity. That's what we're going to be going into next, is looking at our identity in Christ and how that actually applies to different key areas of our lives, such as marriage. You know, the fact that I'm a believer and I have a new identity, I have a new heart, a new nature. How does that affect my relationship with my wife, with my uh, employer, with my employees, my neighbors? How does it affect um, the way that I I look at my sexuality? And and just on and on. There are several different topics we're going to hit over the course of upcoming weeks, looking at, at it from the perspective of identity. Uh, today, what we're going to do is talk, uh, really have more of what we in the past have called a family talk. And uh, we call it that because uh, we're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about the budget. We're going to talk about money and giving and, and this church body. So if you're a guest here today, you're welcome to stay and listen. Or if you want to go out and have coffee in the atrium, that's up to you. But this is going to go on for about 20 minutes now. It'll be our whole message time. But uh, you're welcome. I hope you stay, okay? It's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of fun to look at here when we talk about this. But um, the, the one thing that I want to do is this. I want to convince every person in this room that if this is your church home, then you play a role in the support and finances and ongoing forward motion of this church body. That's, that's what I want. I want everyone to go away saying, okay, I'm, I'm in this too. I am vested financially in this. I'm vested time-wise, serving, all of, all of it, all, all the way around. We talk a lot about um, giving as being worship, and we've had a whole series of messages on that. And so we say this, we say, well, you're giving to God. Has anyone ever told you that? Give your, money, give your money to God, okay? But we all know it's not like we bag up the money and send it to heaven. You know, you know the guy that throws the money up in the air and God grabs his part? That doesn't really happen. It doesn't happen. But the way we give to God is when we give to things that his heart is invested in. When I give to something that his heart is invested in, then what I'm doing is I'm honoring him. And and I'm putting my money where he wants me to put it. And and further, it's easy to think of giving as kind of like throwing money away. Well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm giving my money. Could have bought a new car if I hadn't been giving for the last five years. Or, you know, I, I, we could go out to dinner tonight, but I'm sorry, we had to give. Could have had a vacation, but had to give. And if I look at it that way, you know, really my perspective is skewed because when, when we give, what we're actually doing is aligning our hearts with God's heart. And honestly, if my heart's not aligned with God's, if I'm giving just because, if, if, if I think that by giving I'm going to make God like me more, or if I think by giving I'm going to get into heaven or I'm going to get a better spot in heaven, if that's my main motivation, then I'm way off in my understanding of this whole thing. And you're probably better off not giving if that's it. But, but to say that, that also I would want to say you really have some heart searching to do. Because what I want is, when, we, when Jesus said, pray this, let your kingdom come, 
let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was telling us to align our hearts with his purposes. And so I, God, when, when, we, when he said, seek first the kingdom of God, he's saying, align your heart with my kingdom. And so I look at him and I say, I want to align my heart with your kingdom. And, and I want to give to that because I know that's giving to you, that's honoring you because that's where your heart is. Have you ever um, been to a memorial service where you wanted to buy flowers? I always like to buy flowers. Um, My wife always wants to find out, well, what did they care about? Let's give to what they cared about. And, And oftentimes you'll have that option. And they'll say, well, she cared so much about the woman's shelter. Give to the woman's shelter. And you're, you're putting your money where her heart was. And you're honoring her. Well, that's the same thing in our, in our giving. When we put our money where God's heart is, that's, that's what honors him. So, how about if we do this? I'm going I'm to uh, share with you a little bit of our financial philosophy as a church. In other words, you know, just some basic points that we look at to help us handle our finances. And the first point is this. We believe God will provide for everything he wants us to do. Okay, we believe God will provide for everything he wants us to do. I believe it was Hudson Taylor that said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's resources. And so we enter the whole thing believing, God, what do, you, what do you want us to do? And then we look at, well, how much is that going to cost? Because you know it's always costs. That's just the reality of life in this world. And so we ask, what do you want us to do, and how much is it going to cost? But this idea that God is, is going to provide, again, it's really important for you and for me to recognize he does that through his people, he does that through us. And so the only limitation on what we can do as a church body, what we can do as the people of God, is the limitations in my own heart. And the limitations that, that constrict my own heart because that then is going to constrict my, my identifying with God's heart and, and putting my life and my resources and everything I am and have in the direction that his heart is pointing. So... God will provide for everything he wants us to do. Second uh, piece of financial philosophy is this. Uh, we like to step out in faith and take risks. I say we like to. I, we're willing to, okay? We're willing to. In, in fact, there is something invigorating about taking a risk, isn't there? Have you ever, you ever taken a risk where you believe God was telling you something and you did it it, it's invigorating to our faith. And, and I mean, personally it is. When, when I look at my finances and I say, okay, God, I'm giving you this much. I'm putting this much in your work where your heart is. And um, I could afford to put this much more into it. And, and, I, and I do that, then there's, there's this risk step there that enlivens our hearts. It enlivens our faith. And, and, and like nothing else, like nothing else, very little else. I mean, there are only a few things that we really worry about in life. One of them is relationships. We worry about our relationships. The other one is our health. We worry about our health. I mean, besides our kids and stuff like that. Personally, the other thing that we worry about is what? Money. We worry about provision. 
And so when I, when I take a step out in that whole area of provision and I say, God, I'm going to increase my giving you know, by $50 or whatever it might be, and then we do that consistently, there's risk in my heart that lights my heart up because I'm really in a very concrete way that is close to my heart, I am, I am exercising trusting God. So we, 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 do, we are willing to take risk. By that I mean... We've come to place points at different times in our church's life where we really felt like God was moving in an area and doing something, and we needed to put some funds behind that, but we didn't have the funds to do it. And so what do you do? Do you take money away from this other ministry? You know, sorry, children, you don't get any money this year. We're going to put it right here. Or, or do you step ahead and say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to commit to this. We're going to step into it and watch God provide. And so we're willing to take risks, but we recognize that there is a difference between risk and reckless. Okay, this is really key for all of our lives. There's a difference between risk and reckless. Reckless doesn't know what the, what the numbers are. Reckless doesn't know what's in the checkbook. Reckless doesn't, doesn't have a budget or track the budget. It just spends, 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 and God will provide. That's the equivalent, as we put it, of stumbling around on a mountainside not knowing where the cliff is, the edge of the cliff is. That's reckless. If there's fog, and you know there's an edge of a cliff here, you stay still. Risk is different. Risk is when you know the numbers. When you, when you know what, you, you, therefore, you know where the edge of the cliff is. And when God says to you, step off the edge of that cliff then trusting God, you, you obey him, you trust him, and you step off the edge of the cliff. That's risk. And so we don't want to be reckless. We keep good records. We, we track the, the money and the giving. But um, so th- th- those three simple points, God will provide. Uh, we're, we are not adverse to risk, and um, we recognize a difference between risk and reckless. Now, just a real simple financial report from last year. Let's do that, okay? Last year, our budget was ten million fifty-seven thousand dollars. Not ten million, one million fifty. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, we've been hiding this all from you. Someone said that's a prophetic slip-up. Okay. I'll receive that. All right, by budget, you know, this is at the beginning of the year, we look at everything and we say, okay, this, here's the building, here's the salaries, here's the, how much this ministry gets, here how, how much this one and this one and this one. And, and so what we plan to spend. So that's where we started off at 1057000 And our actual spending came in at this. So we spent less than what we budgeted. All right? Now, look at the next number. Here's what actually came in to cover the budget. Our giving was 1,010,000. All right? So if you subtract 46 from 10, you get 36. And so that means that we had a deficit last year of $36,000. Now, you might say, well, yikes. I mean, how many people like deficits? Unless you work for Congress, you don't like deficits. 
None of us can live with deficits, can we? Here's the thing. Last several years, we've been in a transitional phase as a church. Anyone who's been here five years or longer knows that. We've seen God doing some remarkable things, wonderful things, uh, lots and lots of new people coming in. You know, some people who were around five years ago aren't here anymore, just as the vision moved ahead, they didn't feel like that was where they wanted to go. But in a transitional phase like that, you usually have attendance drop and giving usually drops. Now, this deficit, we, we, we realized that we could have a deficit like this this year. And a few years ago, uh, well, in the years prior to us entering this transitional phase, we had, um, uh, we, we had good giving and we also had just wise people handling the money. So we, kind of like uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, anybody know the story of Joseph? He has this dream, so for seven years they're saving money in Egypt so that when the famine comes they have what they need to make it through the famine. Well, when we entered this transitional phase, we had a, a, a good reserve in, in store so that for the last three years we've been able to operate on a, a deficit basis because we knew with this whole transition, you know, we, 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 to move ahead, we have to have this budget. And so that's the good news, part of the good news anyway, is that um, we have had that, that, um, that, that money saved so that we had it to, um, to use when we needed it. Now, okay, here's the good news. I have other good news. <laughs> All right, past two years, the offerings have risen an average of 3.5% per year. All right, so we were going down for a while. 2014 was a low year, but since 2014, it has gone up every year. And when you're talking in the range of a million dollars, you're talking about $25,000, dollars $35,000 when you're talking about a 3.5% increase. And so we're headed the right way. We're headed the right direction. And in addition to that, 2016 is the first year we ever broke a million dollars in our offerings. So that's good news. That's good. So I'm thankful for that, and I, and I, and I see it as good things coming. But more good news, all right? I mentioned a surplus just a moment ago. Um, the surplus is gone, all right? And I'm saying that's good news. I'm going to tell you why. The surplus is gone. What I mean by that is we have about you know, we have about a month's operating money, but you have to have that. Otherwise, you can't pay your bills. And you, you have to say, oh, well we'll, well, we'll pay you after the next week's offering. And that's just not healthy. So we, we still have about a month, a little bit less than that, in, in reserve, which enables us to flow as a cash system, you know, on a cash basis. But... The good news is this, and this is the reason this is good news. In 2014, I was praying about the, the church and about the budget and the giving and all of that, and that was a low year, and I felt like God spoke this to me very clearly. I, I'm sure he did. And I know that because I can't read it without choking up. <sighs> you know, there are things... There are times I'll write stuff down and I think it might be from God and I go back to it later and I look at it and I think, no, that wasn't God. 
But for, for me anyway, when I have something like this, that, that, and I go back to it. <sighs> so at any rate, I'm going to try to read this. Is it up there already? Okay, good. All right, here it is. Watch me. I'll change it all in the blink of an eye. You'll see. Okay. So I wrote that down on a big sheet of paper in my office and um, taped it to the wall. It's been, it's been there ever since. Now, about a year and a half ago, Wilson was in my office and... Um, you know, we were not so sure where the giving was going that year, and and Wilson said to me, "When do you think that word's going to come into effect?" Without thinking, I just said, "Not until we use up our reserves." Sometimes that's prophetic, and, and I had a sense right away that that was a prophetic statement. You know, there's that place uh, where the high priest said to the other Pharisees and priests, "Don't you know that?" It's better for one man to die for the nation than the whole nation to perish. And then it says he didn't realize it, but he was prophesying. Okay, sometimes that happens. This was a good way, though. That was, that was a bad guy. Um, and I think that was true. And so that's the good news. We're at a point right now where we are down to just the basic operating money that we need. And so I, I look at this, and I, I believe this is a word from God. And God's changing things. And we're going to see things uh, move ahead financially for the church and grow. And we're going to continue to see things grow. So let's look at the 2017 budget, okay? We looked at it. We didn't change a whole lot. We, we pared a little bit down. And that's because of the reckless part. We're, we're sure willing to take risk, but we don't want to be foolish. So the next number there. All right, so the budget for this year is 1050500 Last year, I think it was one million fifty-six or 57. And so it's $1,050,500. Now, what that means is on a weekly basis for the giving, and I'm going to show you the weekly and the monthly giving that that requires to hit that. So let's go with that next, okay? So giving, that means $20,300 a week giving, on a weekly average, and that's over the course of the whole year. And then on a monthly average, we need about, okay, you put two up there. Okay, in a month, yeah, monthly average, we need 88, okay. <laughs> there you go, all right. Thank you, thanks. On a monthly average, we need 88,000. So let's look at what last year was now. That Thanks. All right, giving, last year we averaged 19,000, almost 500, like 489 or 92 or something like that. And our weekly average, our monthly average was 84,200. So let's bring the next slide up. Next slide. Not the next slide, the next number. All right, isn't there another number that comes up now? Okay, all right. Then um, here you go. You can see this, just looking at this. That, that, that means an $800 uh, difference between last year and this year. 
on a weekly basis. So what we have to do is increase our giving by $800 in order to meet the new budget. And, um, or on a monthly basis, we have to increase monthly roughly $4,000 to, um, to, to meet the new budget. And so both of those are just totally doable. It's just, it's just without question. That's something that uh, even with um, the, um, just the normal increase that can happen. And here's some really good news, all right? January attendance... Up to, to, up to last week is 10% higher than it was a year ago at this time. All right? That's good. And because most people give on a monthly basis, I'm only counting January, but January giving this year is 4.5% higher than it was last year. That's great. So whatever that is, if that continues, that, that alone, you know, we end, up, we end up coming up in the range of um, covering the budget in just a little bit more. Uh, realize this budget is kind of like, it keeps us stable, it keeps us where we are and doing what we're doing. If, if we get more than that, then it catapults us ahead. And we're able to develop new ministries and, and to put things in place that would have even a greater and greater impact. But... Um, Yeah, so I appreciate you all applauding for those things because those are really positive. Now, when it comes to giving, I I just want to say a couple of things. There are three things that we want to to encourage. And I think these are all biblical. The first one is consistency. Consistency. You know, when I look through the giving patterns, I am amazed and humbled by how many people give Week after, well, month after month after month, we track it on a monthly basis, but month after month after month, consistently giving sacrificially. It's just amazing to me. I mean, I, I applaud you. That, that is so good. But consistency is really important because what that means is I am planning what I'm doing. And, and I'm, putting, I'm putting my giving first. I'm not just waiting till the end of the month or shifting the bills around, seeing, well, how much can I give this month? Uh, I'm, I'm putting it first. I'm just saying, God, I'm putting my heart where your heart is. I'm laying it out right there in the budget. And so th- that's, that's really important. If you're not giving consistently, then I would ask you to take that as a step. Next step, start giving consistently. Decide what it's going to be. Even if it's no, it doesn't have to be any more than you've been giving sporadically, but you make that first. That's the first thing you do is you write that check to give or you, or you go, we're giving online. Now you go online and give. Now, second thing is this, percentage. Uh, we encourage you to look at it from a percentage basis because it's very easy to think, well, I'm giving a lot of money, but then when you look at, at how God's blessed you, by looking at what percentage of your income you're actually giving, it, it might look different to you. And so percentage giving is a way for us to challenge ourselves, to grow, to evaluate our giving, and it, uh, it, it ratchets up the importance of our giving. Of course, the Bible in the Old Testament talks about tithing, 10%. And a lot of people don't think that that applies today. I, I think it does. It's... Um, I mean, it's it, it, 
there are arguments both ways, but it's the only illustration we have in the Bible of how much to give. And, um, and so for some, I just say, you might not be giving, you might be giving, but you're not tithing. Just start tithing. Just see what God does. Talk to someone between services that told me that um, the, the first day, the first week they began tithing, their business had the highest income in a week it had ever had. And, and that, that doesn't always happen because you might start tithing and it might go the other direction. Uh, but, but tithing's a good thing. But at any rate, a percentage. Look at the percentage and increase what you're giving because the third thing is risk. And that is sacrifice. Risk, take a risk, step out, go to a point that you feel uncomfortable because that's a place of, of life when you take risk with God, trusting God. So you might notice here the three letters are CPR. Okay, I don't do that kind of thing often. It's a little bit too cute for me. But uh, that just happened to turn out that way, okay? I noticed it. So if you follow these principles, it will enliven your finances and I believe your spiritual life as well, okay? All right, so look around. Take a quick look around. Anybody, do you identify any billionaires in the room? Okay, if there are any billionaires, I want to talk to you after the service, okay? Please come and say hi. Um, I say that because we're all regular people. And we all need to be a part of this. We all need to be a part of this. Because we all need to give. Because if my heart is going to be where God's heart is. You know, some people will say this. They'll say, well, I serve. You know, and I do this and I do that instead of giving. So that's my giving is that I, because my time is worth, my time is valuable. And I, I go to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He was writing to a church that had given financially really well. And he said, you know, the thing that I really rejoice in is that you first gave yourselves, then you gave your money. And so he was saying, you gave your time, you gave your service, you gave your energy, and that's important. And, 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 and because we're total beings, you also gave your money. And so you can't separate the two, and the one doesn't replace the other. In fact, I would say if a person is saying that, they might have a problem in their heart towards money. They might need to rethink some of their attitudes towards provision and towards trusting God. And so um, this, this is something that, that we all, that, that, I, that I call out to all of us, that we all have part in. Now I'm going to speak just in the next couple of minutes uh, to people who give regularly on a monthly basis, consistently. Now if you're not, I've already said my first encouragement to you would be to do that. But... Um, a lot of us have the idea of consistency down, and that's fantastic. If you have consistency down, then start looking at the percentage. And as you look at the percentage and you see what you're actually giving, because percentage causes us to give in proportion to how God's blessed us. It, it changes our thinking in what a lot is. Okay, it changes our thinking in that. Um, but 
If you're already giving on a percentage basis, then think about sacrifice. But uh, just a couple of notes here. Um, we, we have well over 100 people who give consistently 15 to $25 a month. Okay? Now, that's awesome. Let's clap for those people there. They got the consistency. That's great. I don't know. For some people, they might be on a fixed income. That might be the most they can give. My guess is most of those people could up it by 10 or 15 or $20. That's just my guess. So let's just say out of the well over 100 that are giving in that range, let's say 80 of them start giving $15 a month more. Do you know what that would come to? That comes to $1,200 a month more. That gets us a quarter of the way there, right there, right there. And, and besides, those people are at a point where, where it, 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 you, you need to be challenged to consider how much are you giving just comfortably or are you stretching yourself? Okay, so um, we have well over 100 people that give within 100 and say $300 a month on a consistent basis. And again, that is awesome. Let's clap for that whole, that whole group. Yeah. That's, that's, real, that's incredible. Um, how many of them could increase their giving by, say, $25 per month? I know we come to the point periodically where we look at our giving and say, okay, I'm giving this and, um, you know, I could give another $25 a month, but if I do, what do I have to give up and can I afford it? And, and you just say, okay, I'm going to start doing it. And you never miss it. I mean, tip, usually you don't. Now, and I know there are special cases and man, God bless you. The last thing I want to do is make anyone feel guilt or shame. That's not the intent of this at all. But, but what if those, out of those, if 80 started giving $25 more per month, that would be $2,000. So there you have $3,200 of the, the need monthly made up. And then we have um, dozens of families that give in the range of three dollars $400 a month on a consistent basis. And we have dozens of families that give the best I could figure would be that they tithe. That, and the only way I can calculate that is to take the average income in the area and say they're giving at least 10% of the average income in the area. And to that group, what I want to say is, way to go. That's awesome. Good job. Don't become complacent. Okay? But before I say that, let's clap for you. All right? I am amazed and humbled by that. I just, I'm blown away. But um, I also just say, don't become complacent because there might be a blessing for you out there in the realm of 12 or 15% or, or something beyond that. I don't know. But um, I, I just want to end by saying that we're in a good spot. We're, when we give, we're giving towards something we care about because it's what God cares about and I have God's heart. I have his DNA in me. And so I care about the things he cares about. We are going to see this church's ministry expand and impact this community and the surrounding communities and have a powerful impact on our city. And we all get to be part of that, okay? 
So um, thank you for listening, and I'm going to pray blessing over you, and then Lee's going to come up and actually receive the offering. So I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you provide. And we just ask in Jesus' name that you would bless these families. Bless every family in this church, every household in this church. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would bless every household with peace. Uh, we do ask for blessings of health. And, and we ask for promotions. Lord, let there be promotions happen. And let it be attached to this very prayer that, that it will be known that you answered, you responded to, to this prayer. Lord, let people that need new jobs get them. And let people that need better jobs just release better jobs to them. And your blessing, and God, we, we want to be behind your heart and with your heart and what you want to do in this community, in this city, and in our world. In Jesus' name, amen.